David Krejci draws Austin Watson. Now Heiden to McAvoy, he scores! Yo, bartender! Yo, food needs a refill! And Hudobin makes the stop. Marchand ahead to Bergeron. Has Marchand busting down the middle. Scores! Patrice Bergeron with the Bruins' third shorthanded goal of the season. Treat me right fucking now. Sticking shit face on the bus. Louise left me, and that son of a bitch over there keeps playing me when he knows I'm shit face. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Beers and Bruins podcast, a black and gold hockey podcast production. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Allred, and happy to finally get the show off the ground. Uh, this show allows me to step out of the studio and interact with the passionate Boston Bruins fans while enjoying a few beers. And uh, a big disclaimer, just to start off. Um, we don't have a Bruins fan with us tonight, um, I, but it's very important for me to have this gentleman on because he is uh, one of the guys and his team have inspired me to do our black and gold hockey podcast uh, way back, uh, gee, I think in the beginning of 2016. Um, so his name is Mike Bond. And he is the co-host of the uh, Scuttlepuck podcast, uh, a very good, good podcast, hockey podcast. That's, uh, they talk about the Edmonton Oilers, they talk about the Montreal Canadiens, but <clears throat> their respected teams do not, they don't spend a ton of time on each one. They, they really respect the, the league news and what's going on outside of their team. So it's a, it's a very well, well put together podcast. And you can follow Mike on Twitter. Uh, at 13, Mike 31. Uh, Mr. Bond, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me on, Mark. I'm, I'm kind of honored and thrilled to be on the first episode of uh, any podcast with beer in the title. So it sounds exciting to me. And uh, thank you for the kind words. That was, that was very nice. And uh, it's, a, it's a real treat to be joining you. Well, I got I to be honest, Mike. You really broke the podcast world with me when it comes to beer because you you brought it out that it's it's completely acceptable to have beers and talk and talk <laughs> hockey so so i'm like I, I i like this guy this is this is my type of person so but uh you know just to pat yourself on the back again uh you do a great a great program at the scuttle puck um and you can find that on apple itunes and 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 i think it's google play where else can we find it Google Play, Stitcher, all the podcatchers, it's out there. Nice. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, it's a well-done program, but, um, uh, oh, what was I saying? Yeah, you guys have had me on uh, a couple times. I, I want to say four times now since. since four times, yep. And, uh, and, and to, re- to repay that back, I wanted to have you on sometime in, 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 a, in a time frame this summer on, on this show because, uh, you know, just because you've been so nice to uh, to me, and and you know, having me on to talk talk Bruins when you guys need some uh, Bruins updates, so it's been really cool. So, well, the, and the pleasure is certainly ours. It's uh, I like getting I like 
talking to people from that's one of the okay if you're doing that (laughs) i've been waiting patiently (laughs) nice but uh no i think you probably find the same thing one of the most fun things for me is just basically meeting new people through the podcast all over literally all over the world i've talked to people in australia and croatia and england um and so it was a, a real treat getting to know you just through the uh through the podcasting world. So, yeah, I'm having a ball with it. 200 episodes in, and it's still a ton of fun. Yeah, congratulations on that, too. And um, uh, you got to tell me the story, Mike. When when it comes to podcasting, there's a reason you want to do it. And, of course, you're a passionate uh, hockey fan, and and there's always motive there for that. But to get together with uh, Pete Wood, who is is the other co-host and I believe the originator, um, and then to come on and bring on Dale Horde, which I, the last time I was on your show, I had to tell Dale, he cracks me up. He, he, he brings a, he brings, <laughs> he brings a real interesting level, but at, at like, it, you know what he's saying, but it's at a comedy, uh, comedic, um, you know, way of saying it. it uh, yeah. He's always got that kind of, uh. I don't want to say snarky edge, but he's, just <laughs> yeah. kind of got, like, he's very calm, but it, there's a little bit of bite in what he says. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know how, you know, I'm a diehard Boston Bruins fan and Pete's a freaking Montreal Canadiens fan, but when Dale, like, you, you can see him sniffing at, at, at uh, Pete once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does to me too, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Go for beers all the time or we're in the, the hockey dressing room and it, it's always there, right? There's just that little... And it's hilarious, too, because his son, Davin, has got the same sense of humor. And he'll look at you very calmly, deadpan face, but have just a uh, just a real jab, right, with a little grin on his face. And you're going, oh, <laughs> it's perfect. That's the hockey in us. It must be. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Um Again, you know, you're not a you're not a Boston Bruins fan. You're an Edmonton Oilers fan, and and very well respected. Because um, I love meeting people from around the league and talking to them, as you do. So, but you you grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan. Yeah. <laughs> How was it going through your childhood, and maybe even still to today, about having two members of your family? Um, Boston Bruins fans and just it, it, the, the family digs or, I'm, or if I was a fly on the wall I'd love to see it What what can you tell me any stories dating back into your childhood about the torment that you guys might have gone through <laughs> well the, the, the beauty was and this is like yeah so my dad and my brother my older brother were both Bruins fans and uh, so in the this is through the 70s right so that's when the Habs were the the powerhouse, the Scotty Bowman Habs. So I think, uh, you know, being a bit of a contrarian, it, it was just natural for me. They're, they're, the Bruins' arch rival was the Montreal Canadiens, so that's who I had to cheer for. Plus, they won all the time. I'm like seven, eight, nine when they're they're really winning. So uh, that was probably an easy selection at that point. But it was uh, oh, it was always interesting. There are lots of jabs going back and forth always, and. Uh, um, yeah, it was it was like I say it was good though because by the time I was really a hockey fan, you know Boston had kind of just slipped off the face of the earth for I wouldn't say slipped off face of the earth because they had the Cam Neely days and my brother was just oh my god he he, he he's all he talked about was Cam Neely this Cam Neely that and the battles with Al Samuelson remember those like he oh just, yeah 
hated oh, yeah. Alf Samuelson, and he, I remember him like ragdolling him a couple of times, just like finally just jumped on him, and started pounding him, and um, my brother was just loved it. And he, oh, my brother loved like he always he's always loved the shit disturber. So like Brad Marsh, and he just loves him. And he, <laughs> it, it's it's the can I say shit disturber? On Absolutely. The show? Okay. Yeah, this is this is my show. This is this is explicit explicitly uh, blah blah blah. Whatever I'm trying to say. We do have an explicit label on this show, so this is this is my way of stepping out of my professional element on Sunday's recordings and kind of try to be myself. So yeah, fucking right. drop it. <laughs> nice. So yeah, so he always loved like Ken Linsman, the rat, right? Like he just my brother loved that, just that kind of stick it to you, greasy hockey player. So he and they, I mean, the the big thing. He just always talked about the big bad Bruins. He loved that style of play, right? So I was always like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But uh, yeah, the the Habs would beat them, and I'd be I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> the the best probably the the recurring theme was like it, there was this crazy run for the Habs over the Bruins in the playoffs, which I'm sure you know. But the like even the years when Boston was a way better team going into the playoffs like i'm thinking after the canadians had won the stanley cups and the, like it was the islanders and the oilers there was still that rivalry in the adams division days and it always seemed it didn't matter how good the bruins were and how bad montreal was montreal would weasel into the playoffs play boston in the first round and somehow beat them because like steve penny of all people wow you bring it back in names yeah, it'd be like the next Ken Dryden for one series just to beat the Bruins, and then he'd fall apart and become human again. So <laughs> that was uh, that was always the the thing is like my brother would just get so mad, right? Because he'd come in thinking, "Okay, we got you this year." <laughs> well, that's funny. Uh, so may- maybe this is my jab to you, and and nothing personal. Mm. I know you got thick oh, skin. I know you got <laughs> thick skin, my friend. But you know, so. You started off as a Montreal Canadiens fan. And then all these years of first-round picks for the Edmonton Oilers, you, you, you choose to jump over there and, and, and see what's going on in, in, that's, um, in that uh, region of Alberta. Um, why? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, because I mean, where you live, and, and you're in Belleville, Ontario, correct? Yeah, that's right. All right, so, so you got the Maple Leafs. you got... Winnipeg that's even closer than Edmonton and you got the other way which is Montreal again but and you know you, you do have the Sabres that are close by and 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 possibly Detroit so why Edmonton it's it's a it's kind of a funny story and really uh I'll, you, I'll, you didn't I'll like that jab ex- you didn't like the jab oh, it's a fair one it's absolutely why would uh, it <laughs> I was hoping I was gonna get a better response out of that but I'm sorry for cutting you off <laughs> no, no, the, the, but uh it's funny, Al Mitchell from uh, TSN 1260 out in Edmonton, he's been on the show a few times, and I, I told him the story, and he, he's like, so let me get this straight. You left the Montreal Canadiens because you want, you went to the Edmonton Oilers because you thought they might be a winner. Like, uh, did you really think that one? Th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But it, the, the story, well, the bottom, at the core of the whole thing, the real, the, the real crux of it was that, you know, it was a midlife crisis. There's no two ways about it. But I was just getting I was sick of cheering for a team, uh, Montreal, that were just not, they just, they were just seemed to be stuck in mediocrity. I'm like, when are they ever going to have a player that um, you can really get 
excited about watching, right? And they just always seem to draft terribly. They would draft, you know, they'd be middle of the pack, so they'd never get a good draft pick. They refused to to tank, and so they would just they were just always there. And then the the real tipping point for me was the Pierre Gauthier GM days. Um, Bob Ganey had traded for Scott Gomez, which just absolutely blew my mind. Him and his seven million dollar contract to get two goals or something and everyone looked at that trade at the time and said what what is that that doesn't make any sense they traded ryan mcdonough um and who else to get and i was i was beside myself and then pierre gauthier comes in and he made move after move that just boggled my mind and i just this team is terrible and they're just going to continue to be terrible forever and, and nothing's really changed so and at the time i was going to belleville bulls games in uh in belleville obviously and the, that's a uh junior a team that was local at the time and so we we had season tickets we go to the games and we'd come home and usually at right at that time the second hockey night in canada game on saturday night would be coming on and that was frequently edmonton so this was before Connor McDavid. This was before Yakupov. Um, I think they had just drafted around the time they had just drafted Nugent Hopkins. So they had Hall and Eberle, and then Nugent Hopkins came in. So I was it's, in that window. I yeah, was in that window. <laughs> oh, yeah. so they had they had Sam Gagne um, as well. And he looked good at the time, and so it was kind of like. Um, they were just fun to watch. They weren't particularly good, but they were fun. They were fast, and Taylor Hall is just such an exciting player. So I'd go home, and I'm like, okay, when I watch the Habs, I'm angry the whole game. Like, I would literally, I'd watch them, and I'd watch Scott Gomez get no goals again and get his million dollars a goal, and I was just like, I, I was angry. And then I'm watching Edmonton, and I go, these guys are fun. So I just, it was, that was the biggest reason. Like, I kind of thought, why am I watching hockey and being angry? I should kind of enjoy it. And I enjoyed watching them, so I said, oh, "Okay, I'm gonna." And I liked the fact that they had tanked, and said, "Okay, we've got some stars like um, Taylor Hall." Because I think that is there's the team, obviously, right? You got your team, but I really enjoy um, liking the players on my team. <laughs> so that's the, and I, I, I like the can, other than Carey Price. Like, there's no one on the Habs that I just was like, "Oh, I can't wait to watch this player." Like, I think the Bruins right now have. You know, guys like Chara, you must love watching Chara. I know he's getting old, but he's just such a, a a beast. He's a great guy to watch. And Bergeron, obviously, and Pasternak. How can you not be excited about that guy, right? So, and But that's what makes watching a team fun to me is, like, there's some guys that you're kind of on the edge of your seat when they get the puck. Oh, he's going to do something great. And Montreal just didn't have that for so long, and Edmonton had it when I was watching those games. So I said, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's get on board. And, oh, I tell you. It's funny because uh, I, I found when I told people that they go, no, no one could believe it. They just couldn't wrap their heads around that. I said, no, I'm done with the Habs. No, no, you'll still cheer for them, right? I said, no, no I'm done. I said, I'm in an abusive relationship. I had to get out. It's time to walk. I had to. And, but, you know, you, you go up to somebody and you can say, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, my wife and I broke up. Things weren't working out. And they'll be very understanding. Yeah, you know, that's probably the right thing to do. But if you told them that you, you gave up on your hockey team, it's like, whoa, well, you can't do that. <laughs> it's like, you can't give up. That can't be. Like, it's couldn't wrap it's their a head total down. extreme. Total difference in extremes. <laughs> 
they were just like that. Oh, that's the worst. I can't believe you would do it. That's the worst thing you could possibly do. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so I don't regret it. So, uh, and maybe another jab, but I, I, I like Pete. He's a, he's a good guy and so on. But, and he's a Montreal Canadiens fan and, and, and a co-host of the Scuttlepuck podcast. So how did, how did that become? Well, that's funny because we had um, – uh, uh, you've been – you were listening to Merrick versus Wyshynski. Oh, I, I missed that show. Anything yeah. that Jeff Merrick – and believe it or not, Wyshynski, anything that he does – I'm not a big fan of ESPN at all. I, I, I hate their hockey coverage, but I like him. You know what I mean? He's got a good snark to him. He does. He does. Yeah, he reminds me He's of funny. Mr. Horde. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I can see it. Um, but the, no, that was interesting. So I was – I actually, if the first pod, hockey pod, first podcast I listened to was a hockey pod, and it was the backhand shelf that Justin Bourne was on. I don't know if you ever listened to that one. No, is it still going? No, no, it was. He oh, was he's big now. He was, yeah, he was working for the Score at the time, and I remember, geez, this is, God, it had to be ten years ago, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, he was working for the. He was writing. He started writing for the score. And I, I recognized his name because his dad, Bob Bourne, playing for the Islanders in the glory days. And I just loved his writing. Like he, he just he's got a way because he's played high level hockey, but he was a good writer and he had a great, great way of kind of explaining the hockey mindset in a way that was uh, I could relate to. Like he just and he still does. And he does systems and anal- uh, analysis where he'll explain uh, systems teams are using or tactics which I was just eating up. So he was writing for the score at the time. I just happened upon some, actually, I think through Twitter, someone, you know, tweeted out an article and I said, Oh, I like this. Who's this Justin Bourne guy? And then they launched this podcast. So I said, Oh, what's a podcast? I don't even know what it is. So I figured it out and listened. And I, I loved it. Like I could listen to that every day. It was just, it was funny and it was, it was just entertaining. This is great. It's way better than the radio. So then they ended up, they only lasted about a year, um, and then the score broke it up, and they were all very mad that they broke it up, but the, the score moved on. So then I'm like, okay, now uh, there's got to be other hockey podcasts. So I went looking, that's when I found uh, Merrick versus Wyshynski. Um, so, and, and Merrick had always, he said many times in those early days, and I'm sure you heard him, and it's probably partially why you have a podcast, is he just says, you know what, it it's easy to do if if you want to talk hockey, if you want to start a podcast, do it. Try it. See what happens, right? And, I remember that episode. Uh, and yeah, he actually, yeah. he actually, he actually mentioned that in, on uh, Thirty One Thoughts with Elliot Friedman not too long ago. He said, "Just do it. You want to get your voice out there. You want to have a passionate opinion." He's like, "Start a blog, start a podcast, and then see where it goes." I mean, it, you could make the best out of anything that you do just if you stay positive and stay with it. And and. Those those guys are, are the ones I look up to. I love Jeff Merrick and, and his his coverage of the prospects, especially this time of year when the Memorial Cup is happening, which actually is in Regina, Saskatchewan. So, you know, yeah. he's just amazing. Yeah. So I, that really, I said, hmm, I gotta I gotta figure this out. And uh, and it was about the same time I was the the work I was doing. Pete and I had uh, met at some business meetings, and um, you just listen to Pete. His voice is like I go do you do well he, he was he has his voice over business so i'm going do you ever do radio or anything and he's going yeah i used to to do okay and so you like yeah you, you, we got chatting about hockey and stuff and i go uh, would you uh, i figure he knows production side of things right and he's doing voiceover so he obviously knows how to record and all that so i kind of thought 
well, I kind of got this crazy idea to start a podcast. I'd like to do it. You interested in trying it out sort of thing? So we didn't really know each other that well. We just kind of had, had met, but kind of a common interest. And, and I said, and he's like, yeah, sure. And I thought, you know, that from him, for him trying to build a voice over business, the more he gets his voice out, the better. So he's kind of thinking, yeah, that, that would be good for him. And uh, it helped me learn how to, to do everything, right? So that's kind of how it started four years ago, based almost four years ago. And uh, yeah, we've just stuck with it. It's 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 fun. And like I say, it's just it's it just never ceases to amaze me the the people, how generous people are with their time when you ask, hey, would you like to come on the show? And, and almost everybody is like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm amazed and it's and I get to meet new people and I mean uh unfortunately we didn't get to meet up when we went to Boston but I I met up with uh well uh, Thomas Krulikowski and, and Matthew O'Brien we met up at the Buffalo Draft the one year we actually did a podcast down there we I've met up with uh Jason Scope in Columbus there we went on a family trip there and he met him for a beer there we met uh um uh, Mike from the it's a hockey night podcast in Pittsburgh when we went there so it's kind of cool like I go into these cities and and can usually meet up with somebody or whatever have a beer and, and meet new people so it's I love it it's just fun and it's you know as Jeff Merrick said if, if you want to try it start it up see what happens yeah yeah the the tools are all there and it's very it's a lot easier than people think yeah uh, I I was very very um on the fence about it just because I'm not very you know, technical with the computer side of anything. But it, once I learned, it was just, it's just second nature. Yeah. And, and you, you must've been on the fence until the second you decided to do it because, uh, I don't know if I've met anybody as all in as you, you, my gosh, you, you work it hard. It's just amazing to see. Yeah. Inspiration. You know, that's what a lot of people say. And I, and I certainly appreciate that, but it's just, it's just something I, I love. I love the sport. I grew up with it. Um, as a young kid, my father was a goaltender, um, and which obviously passed the genes down to me. Opposite hand, of course. Um, oh, but you catch with your right hand? Or your I, hand? I am a right-handed catch. Oh wow! I am the Pokey Reddick of the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Pokey Reddick. Nice. Hey, you brought you brought back some old names like Lindsman and so on. So I had to I had to step up the game a little bit too on the Edmonton <laughs> side. Um, and I really hope Pokey Reddick's right-handed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even remember. I, I have to Google that. Was right. Reggie Lemelin was a Southpaw, wasn't he? No, no. Him and Andy oh, Pat Moore. Reagan. Pat Riggin, yes. Yes, he yes, was. That's it. Because yes. they look the same, those two, for some reason. Yes, I mean, but, but my dad my dad played uh, golf for a while and retired when he when he got hit with a puck. You know, the, the equipment was terrible back in the in the 70s. Um, there was really no protection at all. So, oh, But I, I loved it. And then I, I started playing in... I played in three leagues, ice roller and in uh, deck hockey for a better part of 30 years after that. And I, I retired. I retired my pads and everything like maybe five or six years ago. But I still skate. I skate out. I played, you know, we, I just do the beer league thing right now. We just we get together. We put black jerseys, white jerseys, and, you know, yep. that's it. That's and, what we do. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually skated last night for the first time in five months. Uh, some Some asshole thinking he was playing in the Stanley Cup and back in November uh, hit me from behind in the numbers and I kind of drove my head into the boards and you know like you're I, playing like yeah just pick up hockey yeah exactly so 
I don't, I don't, I think it might have been because of, of what happened prior, uh, my, my shift before. The guy came to the net and he, he, he outskated me. He, he simply outskated me. I'm not going to deny that. But I went to go poke check the pass and he stepped on my stick and he kind of looked at me like, dude, why'd you trip me like that? You know what I mean? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have swung my stick at anybody's feet. You know what I mean? I'm not like that. I go yeah. for the puck or the pass, you know? Yeah. So, but. I think that the next shift I came out, I came up the boards, I uh, received the pass up the boards, and I, I had my head down looking at the puck to make sure it hit my stick, and then look uh, to center ice in the center ice lane to make a pass or just tip it out, and then skate up. And then I just I looked at the puck and bam, I was just like plastered. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that would be uh, some. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think of our our pickup hockey. Like if someone throws the check, then. Uh... Yeah, that that doesn't go over well with everybody else, right? Like, cause you're just we're just hacking around, like right. trying to keep score with all half of the stuff we do, like that. Uh, that's offside. Wow. Yeah, th- things were said. You know, I, I mean, I just yeah. basically just said, you know, like, what are you doing, man? I mean, come on. And then I decided thinking about it, and I got in my head a little bit, like, you know, I I don't want to go down like that because of a freaking beer league game. <laughs> but you know, I missed it, and and let me tell you, five months of not skating. Right. like once or twice a week the weight went right on oh yeah it's a- and, and my beer consumption is absolutely ridiculous anyways but it that didn't I help guess. you know <laughs> no kidding. so i was just like you know the guy called me he's like hey you think about coming back and i was like yeah why not i'll come back next week i want to get like you know go to the gym and kind of get ready for it and uh yeah well i was not ready for it because i decided to go last night i couldn't wait a week you know, you know the hockey yeah, I, in you. So I went, and my my first shift was a three minute, three minute, three minute shift after five months, and I went on the bench, and I just took a big sip of water, thinking that's that's what I needed, and no, it didn't. Horf. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> oh, really? oh, oh yeah. Jeez. Oh yeah. Yeah, you you must try way harder than me when you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just I was I couldn't breathe. I'm like, oh my god, this is ridiculous, and so. But I, we, they skated for about an hour and ten minutes, and I, I made it to fifty. I, I couldn't do it anymore, so I'm feeling the pain today. But it's good to be back, though. Yeah, always good, Dad. So I'm off. We, we finished up the end of March, and uh, we'll have the ice uh, throughout the summer. Kind of uh, not, not a regular skate, but we'll probably get it just to, to go out. But I kind of, I take the break and then get back at her in September, and. Uh, always it's always so good to get out but it's amazing how you lose your coordination like it if you're away for three four weeks it's amazing the first i don't know half a game or whatever that you're back you're you're you lose the just the refined coordination i guess it takes a while to get in so when you hear guys are injured in the nhl and they come back and say well got to get up to game speed or whatever you you can totally relate because oh yeah especially for their level right oh yeah but it, it doesn't take long to just lose that, that the sharpness. Yep. No, it's in and repetitiveness is so huge and muscle memory and blah blah blah, you know. Even for us beer leaguers, if you play once or twice a week, that's all involved. Like like I remember when I was playing, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks at a time, my breathing was never like it was last night. You know <laughs> what I mean? It was never like that. Oh. So I it, it's just gonna take a couple I mean, I was proud I got a goal and an assist last night, so not yeah, bad right. for five months. You Big fat. that on the fridge when you got home, I assume. Like, you know, hey. I did. Put the stats on the I fridge. For, I forgot. 
<laughs> I, I was just happy I survived, actually. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah, I, lo- I love it, and I can't wait to go. I'm picking up another night, too. I think I'm going to skate on Sunday nights at the same rink, so two nights oh, a nice. week. Um, let's get talking a little bit about hockey and, and the uh, subject at hand. Um, how familiar are you with, with you with uh, writer Jim Matheson? Do you do you follow his work at all? He's been covering the Edmonton Oilers since 1972. Yeah, I, I don't I don't read a lot of his stuff, but I I think I follow him on Twitter. A lot of his stuff gets retweeted into my timeline anyway. Um, but uh, was there a particular article or just generally? Well, he tweeted something out on on uh, May 9th, uh, which was last week, and uh, he says lots of people. This is his tweet. And you can follow Jim Matheson or, or look at this tweet for yourself, uh, the listeners. It's at NHL by Maddie. Uh, he says, lots of people tossing around Tory Krug for Oscar Kleffbaum. Trade oh, I Id- remember seeing that. Yeah. Trade idea because Krug is more offensive-minded, but Krug 27 has two years left until he's UFA. with And Oscar, which is 25 years old, in July has five years and Krug makes one million more. So... As an Edmonton Oilers fan, I, I I don't follow the team often. I mean, if there's if there's one of those, um, you guys are well, you're not in there, but they're Mountain Time, correct? Yeah, yeah, they're so, two hours behind us. So, all right, so they'd be my nine o'clock game or nine thirty game after a Bruins, and then yeah, yeah, and then if I wanted to see LA, I'd watch it at ten ten thirty. Well, exactly. So I, I don't get to see a lot of games, so I don't really know much about Oscar Kleppbaum. Uh, can you just give me like some kind of like scouting report on him and uh, and let me know if he's a player that you would want to see moved, or is this Shirelli's itchy trigger finger again? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Jim Matheson throws out a lot of crazy ideas too, but I wouldn't. First of all, I wouldn't personally. Krug's a left shot, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so but the Oilers have like a plethora of left-hand shot D. They, if anything, they need a right shot. So it, the the idea doesn't even make sense to me. Plus, like Oscar Kleffbaum's a really good defenseman. He had an off year this year, but it was well known that he had shoulder problems all year, and he was battling it. And he had like uh, he got the uh, what are the shots you get that uh, that helped him out, I guess, partway through the year. But he still he battled it, and and it wasn't even a secret. And there's a lot of um. I don't know, uh, talk around Oilers, just like, why don't they just shut him down and get the surgery that he's obviously going to have? And sure enough, he did end up having surgery towards the end of the season. But they said, you know, it was, to be fair to the doctors and the team, right, they know better than anybody how injured it is. And apparently, you know, he wasn't really doing any more damage to the shoulder by playing, but he clearly wasn't at his best. So um, the year before, though, he was a a heck of a good defenseman. And he he and... um, Adam Larson made a, 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 I felt a pretty solid top pair, like not an elite top pairing, like because you know he, he doesn't have a Chara in his prime or a Carlson or a Doughty, but they were a very solid uh, pairing, and so um, to have him signed for another five years at, I think it's five or four and a half. He's a great value. They're with paying McDavid twelve and a half million dollars for eight years. They need value contracts. Oscar Kleffbaum is a great value contract. So if he moves him, I think he's I think he's nuts because a his value is probably down even though everyone knows he was hurt this year. 
a season like that does not help your value. So why trade when he's low? Plus, he's a very good defenseman with a cost certainty for five years. It makes no sense to me to move Oscar Kleffbaum, although he, he has been rumored. Well, here's my thing, and, and it's the business side. When you look at the money, I was thinking of this the other day. It's Peter Shirelli. Boston Bruins fans know Peter Shirelli and, and what he's done in the past. I, I mean, he's a, he's the type of GM that has, has taken the time to build a winner in 2011 to brought the Stanley Cup home to Boston after 39 years. I commend him for all his decisions to make that happen for this for this area. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, like I said, he has an itchy trigger finger. We all know what he did and and what the whole staff, I'm not blaming every one person, I'm blaming everybody on this one. The whole staff came together and said that we need to trade Tyler Sagan. Yeah. So, I mean, this... It just still bothers me today about this whole this conversation, but because I think Tyler Sega could have been reeled in, I, I think that they just didn't give him enough time, and it is what it is. But no, I agree with that, and, and I think I thought at the time it seemed odd, and I didn't think they got enough for him. And I, I agree, he gets that itchy trick, bigger finger, and he just. My impression of Shirelli is he, in his mind, he just he moves on from a player says okay for whatever reason Tyler Sagan's going to be a problem I don't want to deal with it so we're going to get rid of him and then he doesn't wait until he gets the absolute best deal for it. he's just like I got to get rid of him and I'll take what I can get yeah and, and that's uh, that seems to be his mo because I mean the Taylor Hall trade same thing love Adam Larson great player um but nowhere near value for Taylor Hall but but he addressed he decided he, he addressed the need though he did but and he had decided that he couldn't do any better or so he decided, Oh, I'll just give up value. You know, I'll lose that. Cause I can't believe you couldn't get Taylor, um, Adam Larson plus a, at least a pick or two. Like, right. Right. Why don't you insist on getting value? And that, that he's just shown many times. Like it's not just Jordan Eberle for, um, Strom straight up. That makes no sense. Yeah. But- he's, he's done that so many times. When you look at the particular of this of this of this deal that Matheson threw out there, um, to me right now is Chirelli's like when he's ready at the saloon and he just did a shot and he's walking outside and then bam, we're in action because you know t- um, Connor McDavid's twelve point five million is like starts the next season. Oh, so, I know. So th- I, no, I know you know. I know you know. So, so this window from now until then is like Shirelli cap hell, and yeah. and it just seems it's just weird to me that when you think about twelve million, twelve point five million a year cap being eaten up in one player, that you would want to take a a a defenseman like Krug who's making a million more. It, it just it, to me, you'd want to save money. And not bring back a contract that's going to be more money. So I, I I just didn't see that particular in the in the whole trade thing. And I didn't want to base my evaluation on the trade because I don't know enough about Oscar. And that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on at this certain particular time uh, to to give me a better sense of what type of player he is, you know, and and where he's good, where he's not, and the, uh, you know the contract. So. And I think I understand where he's coming from. Although, again, I think it's just Jim Matheson 
just throwing out ideas, right? Which is fair. We all do it. So I, I guess I shouldn't hack on him too much. But I just – and I, the reason you would throw Krug in there because he's – I mean, he's a – he got 59 points this year. He's a puck-moving defenseman, and, and that's really something um, Edmonton needs. They, they've – like Larson's a – he's a the classic – rough and tough kind of stay at home d he can move the puck but he's not uh, he's not a fast train as uh, low tide likes to say al mitchell there but he uh, uh good and so and that's what clefbaum he had clefbaum adds some of that to that um to that pairing uh and has actually a good shot when his shoulder is good uh, but Cruz a more uh dynamic offensive defenseman which the oilers definitely need they need some of that from their back end and they don't have it right now um, like Krug's kind of the opposite of Chris Russell. Chris Russell just like just fire that thing off the glass. Always like he always makes a safe play, but he never makes a play. He never makes a, a play that you go, oh, that was a nice pass, you know. So yeah, um, and that that they do need that. But again, I wouldn't go. Darnell Nurse had a, a a heck of a good year. I thought he's come along. He's a left shot D. Um, you don't need another left shot D. They've got. Um, They've got uh, Clefbaum, they've got uh, Nurse, uh, they've they've got Chris Russell who plays some right D even though he's left shot, and they got Andre Sekera. So to bring in Krug on the left side doesn't to me doesn't make make any sense. If they if they could find a good uh, that kind of player with a right shot, then yeah, let's talk. But I think again they need value contracts and Clefbaum is that. So they, they I think they should try and find a better way. No, they just signed. Um, geez, what's the kid's name from? Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, it was right. uh, was it a two year deal? Something purse person or yeah, 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 right shot deep. I don't know anything about him really, but out of uh, Sweden. Now that might be that, that's a gamble. I like see Shirelli make some of those moves where he signs guys kind of out of nowhere, and he's done well. I think like, he did that with Krug. Uh, out of the University of Michigan, like the oh, was that Shirelli signing? I yeah, that oh right. yeah, that's why I'm kind of putting the ties together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But yeah. Crew, like Matt uh, Benning was the signing. Uh, yeah. That I thought he's done great. And again, if you add those assets for nothing, you've just increased all the value. So Shirelli's actually exactly. done a great job there. And I think Keith Gretzky's probably. I was very skeptical of him coming in just because, like, oh great, they've hired someone because he's Wayne Gretzky's brother, not because he's good. But I think he's actually done a pretty good job in scouting and drafting um so i think i have to give him some credit there but that's where shirley's good but they should just prevent shirley from ever making another trade yeah let me tell you a story about matt benning uh played at he played at northeastern university um and solid prospects i i used to go and watch them uh him skate at the um I'm not sure if he made the Warrior Ice Arena, which is the new Bruins facility, but it, uh, the Restuccia Memorial Arena, which was just a, a, a shack. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. So cold in July. It had to be so cold because it was like a, a tin can roasting on the outside. <laughs> um, but I, I saw him many training camps, and I thought he was a great defenseman and, and a solid prospect. Uh, but you know what? He was smart enough to look at the depth and go, you know what? I gotta say something right now. If I don't, I don't want to be a guy that's gonna be a seventh defenseman type of player for my career, right? You know, and he had to say something, and he did. And you know what? The Bruins were right. They they pretty much came to an agreement and split ways because with the depth, uh, you know, and 
this goes back to even before I, I think right around Charlie McAvoy or maybe even before that that it was just crazy you know you got Zboril you got um, Lauzon you got Carlo and all you know all these players were coming up and so on I mean through into the system and he saw that and just says that I don't I, I just don't think I have a role here and opted out so and then obviously um um where did he go? Did he go to Vancouver first? Benning? Yeah. No, he went. He, to... he he went to uh, Edmonton. Yeah. Okay. So he went right to Edmonton. I I might have thought that he was um. Jim Benning's. A... Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. He's his nephew, isn't he? He's his nephew. Uh, yeah, he is his nephew. But I thought for some reason they had a tie, and then it didn't work out there, and that's when he, when he went to Edmonton because Edmonton oh. had, you know, little spot. But anyway, yeah. I mean, good for him. I mean, just it just. He wants to be a bigger player, and and he's that kid stepped it up in the professional level, the highest level in the freaking world, and he's playing really, really well, and I hope the best for him in Edmonton. Yeah, you know, and he did uh, his first year, so not last year, the year before, he was a revelation because they put him in, you know, at the, um, you know, six seven kind of guy, and he worked his way up, and he was playing a fair amount of second pairing actually because just with injuries and stuff. And and did very well um, this year. He probably took a bit of a step back, but realistically, he's a he's a five six seven defenseman. But he does that plays that role very well. And he, he's a I, I really I like him. And you can't have too much depth at D. Um, so I think uh, yeah, I think that's a good signing. Like I say, uh, I think I give Shirelli credit in that side. I just I'm scared shitless of the next trade he decides to make. Um, but I, I, you know what, you you bring up a good point with Benning, just in the whole idea of how, for for a lot of players, uh, like when you think junior guys drafted, you know the 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 university guys who can kind of become free agents is kind of a real plus for them, because you can get, you know, if you get drafted by, uh, it might be a great organization, but if they've got depth in the position you happen to play, it can just kind of kill your career almost. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can set your tone on your on your on your expectations of where you're going uh, a lot better than you can in the Canadian juniors. Um, but I do have a I I don't know. I kind of think that the Canadian juniors have it up a little bit on the on the NCAA. I could be wrong, but that's just my personal opinion. What? When you say up, what do you mean? Like they're just—it's—it's it's a little bit higher level. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. You know, I just—I just think that obviously they play way more games. It's a yep. stricter schedule. Um, it's not—you know—it's. I don't know. I mean, I do watch a ton of hockey from the WHLO and the Q. So, I mean, I watch games on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you know what I mean. You can find—you can find games during the week. NCAA is like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, basically running alongside like an an AHL schedule. Which is great. I thought we went to when we were down in Boston there a year or so ago. We went to the Harvard Princeton game, and I loved it. I just I love watching NCAA. And that was at Fenway Park, wasn't no, it? No, it was no, it was at uh, Harvard. It was like uh, it was right around that time. But we oh, got, I thought you went to Fenway. No, we were supposed to fly home on the Saturday, and it got snowed in. Okay, we couldn't. The the flights got canceled, so we were sitting around and. Thank goodness we stayed at the Liberty Hotel, which was really fancy, and we got a, just an incredibly good deal on it. And they gave us an even better deal when we came to them and said our flight got canceled. Can we stay another night? And they they gave us like 
uh, we had no idea. We just booked it through Priceline, and it it's like a. We found out like in the prime peak season, it's like five six hundred bucks a night. We, we got we paid like a hundred and twenty. Nice. <laughs> so it was. It's a beautiful old. It used to be a prison, right? And they converted to a hotel. It was fantastic. But anyway, so we we said, well, what the hell are we gonna do? We're sitting around the hotel room. We were looking for something to do, and someone said, I wonder if. Uh, because we had been out to Harvard during the day. I wonder if Harvard's playing or is there an NCAA game on? And it was. So we went out and that was just, I loved it. It was a fantastic experience. So I, we did, when we go on our annual trips now, we're looking for NCAA games we can go at, see at the same time because I, I thought it was fantastic. But in terms of relative to the junior, the, the it's probably not quite as good, but at the same time, they're men now. A lot of them are, you know, they're they're older, so they – they're stronger. They're not far off major junior. Cause you look at major junior, some of those kids are 16, 17. They're still kids. Although. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a lot of those 17 year olds are uh, much more men than I was at 17. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Holy jeez! Like it's all the kids who hit puberty early. Right. And they're like six foot two and they're, when they're 16 and you're going, what the hell? So, so uh, time timeline when you went to the, to this game, this uh this college game at Harvard, uh, Ryan Donato just left his his uh, junior season to join the NHL Bruins and sign a contract uh, this spring. Did you happen to see him at that game? Yeah, oh, he was there. Your thoughts, if you don't mind, from an outsider. Oh geez, I'm trying to think. There was Donato was uh, one of the good ones. It's funny because I had. Uh, uh, tweeted at Ryan Lambert before going saying who are the who should I be watching for and, and Donato was one and he, he was good because doesn't uh his dad was coaching I think wasn't he yep he's behind the bench yeah um and I'm trying to think uh I'm drawing a blank right now but there was a couple of other guys that have actually Kerfoot yes yeah he was playing and he was he was good Harvard was a much better team than Princeton I remember that right um but yeah, they and they were both good. And it, we um, we have tier two junior A here, which is like Wellington Dukes and Trenton Golden Hawks. Kind of, uh, it's the next level down. And but the thing is, a lot of those, you know, the great thing about NCAA is guys that are maybe late bloomers can get a scholarship and go to the states for NCAA and can still make the NHL. Just you know, like I say, the OHL is full of kids who hit puberty at like 13 and are 6'2 when they're 16. Yeah, um, you know they they mature quicker. Anyone who doesn't mature that fast, the NCAA is a great way to to make it. And that's what my impression of the game was that you know like Donato was good, Kerfoot was good, but the these it was fast. It was really fast, and it was all the Best players from Tier 2 Junior A, if we go, is much better hockey than Tier 2 Junior A because all the best players go to the NCAA. Right. And it's and it just – that's what our impression was. That like It was fast and it was fun hockey to watch, I, I found. And a lot like Junior in that they make mistakes, right? So that's exciting to watch. It's fun because <laughs> we didn't have any – horse in the race so to speak we just went to watch a hockey game and it, it was a it was a fun game yeah I, the the league you're talking about like the tier one tier two um is very similar to the hockey that's out in um uh british columbia the bchl and and one yeah. one team that i really gravitated to because i love this defenseman and he plays at uh, boston university right now dante fabro yeah if yep. he if he played one year or was thinking about going to play uh, junior junior hockey. 
he would he would lose his opportunity to go to NCAA and and fulfill a dream of his. So he played one. Uh, he played for the Penticton V's, and uh, and then went to uh, Boston University. And and actually, believe it or not, call me crazy. I know probably, I'm gonna, probably going to get killed on the tweets about this, but I I had him being picked as a Bruin before Charlie McAvoy. Really, I did. <laughs> Well, that's why those scouts have tough jobs. Like, oh, oh I, you know what? And I, I'm not saying I'm I'm a professional at any any structure when it comes to player evaluation. But you know, I do take the time to like when when somebody when I read somebody like like what Jeff Merrick said, or if you mention something that hey, this this kid in the Ontario area is unbelievable, I'm gonna gravitate to like learn more about that. You know what I mean? And that's how I like get gain my experience about. Player player evaluations and and in the the eye test to me is very important. I I am not a fan. I will friggin' lose it if I see or know a writer that's on my team that bases their opinion on stats. If it's you, kind of, it's a factor though, right? Yeah. If you cannot if you cannot watch a player for a minimum of twenty five games, I don't want to see any crap on my website. Do not go to wow. uh, do not go to eliteprospects.com and say, "Oh, he had a great year. Let's roll with that." No, that's that's it's not enough. It's not enough for me. Yeah, there's not not many. You look at the guys in media, and you know they they they've got to have opinions on a lot of players, but how many? It's impossible to watch like every. I'm just talking NHL teams. It's impossible to watch every NHL team 25 times in a season. Right, so that's what I. It's to your point, though. I, what I often find is that they'll say, "Oh yeah, this guy's playing great," but they don't really know. They're just going on what they've heard from other writers, and they're going by you know. You look at the the box cars, and maybe you get a little bit of fancy stats. And I do the same thing too. Like I can't watch everybody twenty five games a year, so you know I'm I'm just going on info but uh good for you because like, I mean that's and that's why I like when, when I'm listening to you and stuff I know like you you're pulling out stuff on obscure guys down the juniors and I'm going yeah well I know he's he's watched them cuz like that's the dedication you've got but it's uh I do find like uh, these guys voting on awards and stuff and you're going I bet you that guy hasn't really even seen that guy this year right you know right I, I, I think that's why I love – I can't wait to see the PHWA um, votes for all the awards because you, you're going to be able to call out some guys who clearly weren't paying attention. And you know what? You, you talk about that on, on that Black and Gold Hockey podcast, which unfortunately we ended um, for the season. Just for the season. Just for the season, right? Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is just for the off season. We are coming back in, in maybe late August, uh, September area. So, but no, we we need a break, and it's been fun. But I, I like the side project; it keeps me going. You know what I mean? And 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 operating out of three countries is 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 not easy when it comes to time. Uh, our, our our co-host uh, Rob Tomlin, uh, he's been with me the longest. Um, and, and he's a fantastic addition to this program, but he lives five hours ahead of us and, and Court Lalonde, who's in the Toronto area, and he's another great addition. So we, we have a, like a really, really good chemistry when it comes to talking Bruins, but w- we need to get together at like Sundays at 3 PM because 
my boy Rob is, is so far ahead. So our 3 p.m. is 8 o'clock to him at night, and he's got to go to work the next morning. So, um, But it, it, it's good to have this to keep me going, to keep me fresh, and now I'll be, I'll be ready to rock and roll in September. So. Yeah, think about uh, the guys that it's a hockey night because Mike's in Pittsburgh and Brenton's in Australia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was, I yeah, was when I first heard that, that, when I first heard that uh, podcast, and geez, this is this is got to be three years ago now. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of hockey hurts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- those guys. Or uh, he might. Uh, I think he's in Australia or England or something like that. And but oh, the, Australia, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, because he's a he's a Pittsburgh he's fan. Scotland. They're yeah, both Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh fans, right? Yeah. I know. yeah. And <laughs> once so once he I. started talking, I know. But once he started talking, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that came out of nowhere. But mm-hmm. you know, um, no, I love. We 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 have a good chemistry, but we need a break too. So. And I want to play more yeah, golf it. on the weekend, so it gives me an opportunity to do podcasts <laughs> like this on the on uh, midweek with you, you know. So nice, absolutely. Um, as a proud, I, 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 this came out today. Um, as a proud Canadian, this is this is important for me to to hear your opinion because hockey is so enriched up there, and it's like it's like you guys are born with the the skills and knowledge of the game already in the womb, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was listening to um, uh, the Hockey Central podcast, the Sportnet, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, yep. John Shannon said today that uh, NHL Bruins owner Jeremy Jacobs, which he, he, the guy got in the Hockey Hall of Fame last, last November. How the fuck does that happen? But, I mean, this guy gets in the Hockey Hall of Fame for being an owner, but my my boy Terry, oh, I mean, um, Terry, I, I was about to say Terry O'Reilly, Willie O'Ree, who I believe still deserves a, a a spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame as a builder, not as a player. I get the whole "What did he do?" You know, did he win a cup and blah blah blah. No, I mean this is this is a guy that paved the way for um, colored players to be accepted into the league, and and he broke the barrier. And I think that's important to be recognized. But anyway, besides my my banter on that. Um, Owner Jeremy Jacobs said Quebec City's hockey market is too small for another NHL franchise, and and the area will most likely never get one. So, like I said, as a proud Canadian citizen, (laughs) how do you feel about that? And and, and, and I'm not trying to, like, uh, the area deserves it. They built the arena. I think they did what everything that the NHL wanted to do without the agreement of we're definitely going to do it. Yeah, and they've, they've kind of done it. Um, it. That's the way the NHL needs insists that you do, right? If you try and uh, show up the NHL or kind of force their hand, like Gary Bettman's shown, like... No, I don't. I don't need you, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play that game. Uh, so, I would love to see Quebec get a team. Let's put it that way. The fans are, are passionate. It's not a big city by any stretch. I think it's. Um, it's the metro that makes it so much enticing to have another franchise there, and I think it's the it's yeah. the whole rivalry that will come back with the Montreal oh, Canadiens. Yeah. And, and like passionate fans, and they've got. Um, 
it's it's as big as like the metro area is it's the size of Pittsburgh. So I mean, they should be able. It's eight hundred thousand people, right? So they should yeah. be able to support. And you know, they would like they'd pack the house. Um, I understand. In my my thought is, um, they they're keeping Quebec in their back pocket just like they did Winnipeg. So if a team, Gary Batman, I'll give him credit for saying, if a team's in a city. He's going to do everything he can to keep them there. Because, I mean, the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames wouldn't be in those cities if he hadn't come in and said, we're going to find owners here. We're absolutely going to find owners to keep them there. That was back when the Canadian dollar was so crappy and they were losing money. They couldn't compete before the salary cap, all that. And I, that's that's Gary Bettman, I think. Um, but you look at the only reason the Arizona Coyotes are still in Arizona is because Gary Bettman said, uh, if I can get someone who will buy them, I'm going to keep them here. And it's the same with Carolina because they could have moved Carolina. I honestly thought Carolina was going to go to Quebec, but he obviously found Tom Dundon, and so they're staying there. Um, but I, it's kind of like Winnipeg. They had the Jets. They had True North, um, the ownership group there, in their back pocket saying, they're, they're basically saying, you tell us and we're ready to go. And they got to a point where they couldn't get another uh, buyer, an owner in Atlanta, and Atlanta threw in the keys, said, we're done. And uh, the, so they could move them. They moved them quickly. I, that's what I've always viewed how they're looking at Quebec. It, they're in our back pocket, but um, it's not a priority. Like Seattle, they want to – I do – again, the, the there's no question the population is in the United States. Like it's just – it's pure numbers. And if you get another team out in Seattle, it makes sense. Again, if you're looking at national TV deals, I'm sure that the the TV people are just looking at where do they have um, markets in the United States for national TV deals. And Seattle would be way more appealing to uh, an American TV broadcaster than Quebec City. Even though Quebec City is a fabulous city, it's kind of got a European feel to it. It's beautiful. Right. It's an old, old city. And they'll say, so, some people say, oh, well, players won't want to go there because of the language and stuff. But it's to me, it's kind of like Winnipeg. They, they say that, but the, the team's winning and the players love, most of them love being there, right? It's it's not a, a fancy city, a very different city from Quebec City. But I think people... I think it's good to have unique cities like that, not just uh, um, you know, just the the easy and safe places. So I'd love to see Quebec get back in the league, um, but like I say, I think it'll take a team to fail. So like if Arizona, the the owners finally give up and say, "No, we're done," and they can't find another owner for Arizona, I could see it. But you know, they, they've obviously been working on. Houston as well, although I think the Houston thing was really just to put pressure on Calgary to get an arena deal. But <laughs> oh, really? That's inter- yeah. that's interesting. They're still fighting over that, and it's interesting because I give the mayor of Calgary a lot of credit. Because look at you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, hey, hence the show, man. <laughs> I'm just finishing number two here, and I don't have a third, so I may have to step away for a second. I brought but, three. Uh, that was fascinating the uh, the the battle that went on there, and I give the mayor of Calgary credit because he didn't bow down to the NHL when they were putting a lot. They put a lot of, well, I thought, some kind of crass um, tactics. Yeah, Brian Brian Burke really was like, behind that too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about snarky? <laughs> yeah, but you, you will pay. We'll leave. <laughs> yeah. Have you got? Have you? Are you getting him at all on your uh, your broadcast? Can you get? 
because he's up uh, he's on hockey night in canada now and, and sportsnet for uh doing like commentary and uh, like uh pre-game and stuff like that the only thing i get from hockey night in canada is on the nhl network we don't get anything we don't get the uh tvg uh rds or rogers because he is i i love like brian burke is a great tv personality and the thing i like about listening to him though too is because he's worked for the NHL, he's been a GM for multiple teams. He gives you some really good insight on stuff like info you can't get anywhere. He tells stories of like, yeah, I'm negotiating with this guy, and you know he wanted this, and I and he's very open with a lot of the info, and I I find it fascinating. Well, I don't know if you heard him on Thirty One Thoughts. I did. With, what a fantastic interview! It's great, right? Like, oh my god, insight. I love and, it. And, and what what he was saying, like like. It was funny the way he was toying with Jeff and, and Elliot. It, it, you know, they're trying to get him in to say something about when he was doing, uh, when he was heading the, the NHL player safety. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, I can't answer that, but I'll tell you this, this, this <laughs> angle. <laughs> Brian Burke, he's a lawyer, right? So oh, yeah. Trained as a lawyer. So he, oh, yeah, he's no dummy. <laughs> You're not going to sucker him in. Right, right. Something he doesn't want to say. Is he, from, he, is he from the Boston area? I, yeah, I, yeah, I thought I, you know, so. I he was born there, but he certainly uh, was living there, and uh, he went to university. Where'd he go? He went with Lamorello, or where'd he go? Uh, Babcock, I mean. I think he and Babcock went to school together. Um, but he uh, he played definitely played hockey there. Yeah, I think he might be Boston. Born Providence, Rhode Island. There you go. Yeah, so yeah, he does have ties with Lou Lamorello because Lou played for Providence College. That's right, yeah. And uh, yeah, um great guy. Love him. Like, yeah. like I say, you, he he's got strong opinions and that's fine. A lot of times I may not agree with them, but uh, the the what I really value about his is the uh, or his commentary is the insight you get into the league, the stuff you wouldn't get anywhere else and you know it's legit because he was there when it happened. Uh, so so you, you you watch him on TV quite often, right? Yeah, time time, yeah. How's the tie situation? Is well, it off or is it, is it off or it on? He when he got on, so when as soon as he was done in Calgary, they, he basically had the TV deal done at least for the playoffs. And the first couple he had it, you know, he had the classic Berkey. It's around his uh, um, collar. It's not done up, right? <laughs> and it's it's done up now. Oh. And I, he, I don't know how they obviously told him, no, you've got to have it done up because uh, that was his trademark. I love that. I yeah. yeah, that's Berkey. Who cares? Right? Yeah, no, that just showed me that I'm pissed off and let's get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> but that's his whole attitude, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A great guy. Though. But actually, one thing, and it was interesting, um, I found it. I don't know what you thought on the, the interview on 31 Thoughts when he was talking about – Merrick was pushing him on, you know, what's it going to take for a player to, to come out, a gay player to come out in the NHL. And, yeah. you know, he said, you know, I, I, Merrick maintains that it's, you know, you didn't want to be a distraction and that would always be. And it, his comment was very interesting to me in that he's, he said, no, it's really the teammates will support them. The league will support them. That won't be the problem. And the fans will support them. It'll be, it's usually one person in that person's life, whether it be a, a, a sibling or a parent or a close relative or a close friend that they're really most worried about. And that, that was, that was pretty fascinating to me. Like, it's just an interesting insight. That was a touching, touching mm -hmm. 
episode of 31 Thoughts, let me tell you. Um, yes. I just have huge respect for that man um, and and feel bad for his loss because, you know, it's just... Give him credit, too, because he's so open about that. You know, yeah. I thought when he said, you know, we, we, they had a family meeting, which I kind of thought, well, that, I could just see that. That would be, <laughs> be interesting to be at a Burke family meeting. Oh, I know, but, right? But he I said, know. you know, we're, we're either going to go... We're going to march forward. We're going to take put one foot in front of the other, or we're going to sit here and feel sorry for ourselves. And I'm not going to let that happen, right? So, you, yeah, you respect the man for that. I, I thought that was good, and it was it was really interesting to me because we've had um, Anya Badalino on our show a couple of times. So she's the director of the uh, PA for the NWHL. Yep, and she just came out recently, and she had a article in I want to say Players Tribune, but it might not have been Players Tribune. But it, it was just her story was exactly what Brian Burke was talking about. So she came out and her dad was fully supportive. But her mom, who was like the her strength and her biggest promoter, her biggest supporter her whole life, had a huge problem with it. And it took like, I want to say months. I can't remember the exact timeline for them to get back to, I don't know if they even where they were, but back kind of on speaking terms. So it really, it rang true what Brian was saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> that was a bit of a that was a bit of a side change. Yeah, right, right. Going, I'm sure, but um, it, it, Milan Lucic, former Bruin Milan Lucic. Um, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I knew this would be a touchy one. Um, what, what do you think the, the Edmonton Oilers going to do with him? Because it just seems that he, I, I, I don't want to say this about any hockey player about getting a deal and then sitting on it, but. It just seems to me, like I saw in Boston, when I, Mike, honest to God, when I saw Milan, his first four years, they were friggin' phenomenal. I liked the way his intensity was, the way he battled, um, the, the pressure he put on the boards, and the skill level that he brought to the bees. And, uh, and if he needed to, he could fight. The last four seasons as a Boston Bruin, I saw this guy down, spiral, like a Damn hurricane going through uh, Kansas City. <laughs> I don't understand why this guy gets a deal like this when his career is like going down. I, I don't see the value anywhere. But what brings me back to every thought that I think about this is fucking Peter Shirelli. He loves his freaking guys. He does, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like in Boston. It's in Boston when he, when, when he, you know, everybody knows that he was a an Ottawa Senator GM. So when he came to the Bruins, you could see the ties that he loves these guys. When Sadie Chara signed his deal, which was good, I, I it was a good deal. I understand that it was probably one of the instrumental points of us winning the Stanley Cup in 2011. But then he brings on, um, oh, now I can't remember his name. Uh, oh, Chris Kelly. Yeah. Chris Kelly comes on, and Chris Kelly did play a role, but the money was just not there. It just, and then Peter Schaefer comes along, and then blah blah blah. So now, you know, obviously the Bruins send Milan Lucic to the Los Angeles Kings and get Martin Jones, and 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 obviously the third, the thirteenth pick in 2015, which turned out to be uh, Jakob Sborl. Um and then it, it it's one year affair in 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 L.A. and then. Peter Shirelli, bam, I'm back at it. I love you, guy. Come home. Mm-hmm. Nerd, you yeah. know, you need a hug. Come here. He loves this guy. Oh, I mean, you look at the 
a lot of the contracts that had the Bruins in trouble, like Krejci and, and those that he signed, because they were the guys that got him that cup, right? So I, there's a lot of there are definitely a lot of that. And I, that when he signed that one with Lucic, I thought, you know, I, I like what Lucic is a good hockey player. I'm I'm okay with it. I know it's way too long. It's too much money. Yeah. And and why? But yeah. So I, I think Lucic will come back. This year. he'll have a better year than he had last year. It was unbelievably bad. I don't, I don't know if there was an injury that we didn't know about or, or what. But I, he, he's got a weird skating style. <laughs> like, yeah, right. He just and it's. It's he, like his feet are moving know. way too fast for his body. Yeah, and I don't, did he always have that? Or it, yeah, that, and I called. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not discrediting Milan Lucic as being a hockey player. He's made it to the level I have not. So, yeah. But uh, it just don't get the the fandom in Boston that wants him back. They're no, like, they're like, they're like, back. never mind, Oscar Clefbaum. Let's get Milan back. I'm like, yes, no, yes, I'm all for that. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Hey, you know what? We'll throw in Matt Benning or something. Take him, <laughs> take the contract. That's like I seriously, I've I've thrown that one out on Twitter. I said, so what would the what if what could the Oilers throw into a deal for someone to take Milan Lucic and he'd be okay with it? This is like for Oilers fan, right? Cause like, I seriously think I would, you would just take the contract, take Milan in the contract and we'll throw in something else to make it worth your while. Like, I don't think you'd even need anything back. Right. And, and, and that, like you say, I don't, I don't mean to slam Lucic. I think he'll come back and he'll have a better year, but he's not, he's making 6 million a year and he's not going to be top two lines. I don't, I don't, think i don't see it because he just he didn't produce like this year was on but like i felt bad for him because they were just piling on but like since december 26th or something he had like two points like it, it just he just fell off the map and it, it, it won't it can't be that bad this year um but he's gotta i think they just have to accept the, unless they can work a deal where some you know maybe he goes to vancouver because he wants to go home and they right. find a way to make a deal i'd be okay with that take it maybe take another bad contract back and at that point though what i don't know what's the point um but i think he's gonna have to be comfortable being a third fourth line left winger like that you just accept you're paying him too much money for that role but hopefully he's got he is good in in the dressing room. He's a good you know veteran guy, and he can at least contribute at at, at that location. But it's yeah again that, it's like you say though Shirelli just he, there's there's those ones that he gets blinded by. I just want this, so I don't care what I have to pay for it. So I wanted Milan Lucic because he helped me win a cup. I'll wait. I'll pay way too much for way too long. And it's like I want a defenseman. I'll pay Taylor Hall for him. I don't care what I get back. Uh, you know what? I mean? He just yeah. When he gets something in his head, he doesn't care what he has to pay. Is there is there any um, no movement, no trade attached to his deal at all? Oh my God, yes. Oh no, Lucic is like he's essentially unmovable unless Lucic says he wants to go because like, okay. and you can't even buy him out because he's got. Well, that's all, that was my next question. Is, it's all is, signing bonus, so like you pay him, it hits the cap whether you buy him out or not. Like it, it, it so, was one of those contracts that you went. You just put yourself in handcuffs, really. Like how stupid are you? Yeah, twelve point five. That's going to be added to uh, Connor McDavid's contract, and that went from what nine? Was it nine twenty five, nine seventy five area? 
nine hundred thousand in seventy five yeah. <laughs> to twelve point five in 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 a matter of months. Yeah. Um, Thank goodness the cap's going up this yeah. year. Like if it wasn't, Edmonton would be in a lot of trouble this year. But play, players like McDavid, they they set the they set the price. They set the market price with what they do on the ice. I mean, that guy is a, just a dynamic player. Um, he makes every he's like uh, he's like a better Bergeron. He makes <laughs> everybody around him that much better. You know, I mean, I mean, honestly, look what look what Bergeron did to Marshan. I mean, Marshan, Brad Marshan started his career, his professional career in the Providence Bruins, and undersized and you you know in this league the undersized players don't always make the cut yeah. but there there was a, a a place for Brad to sneak in there and try to get some games and and it actually worked and he fit in really well like a seamless and so oh and they get him they put Pasternak that line yeah is just ridiculous it's crazy like, Pasternak's so skilled and you kind of when I just watched a lot of the. I watched, I think, every Leafs Bruins in that, that first round, and they were on the ice, and it was just like the Leafs. They were just holding on. They were just hoping to not get scored on because the Bruins were just putting it. Those that line was just putting it to them. And yeah, it's and the a, sad, yeah, So they're set. Well, the, the sad part about the whole playoffs between the the Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then in the second round between the Bruins and the and the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, was. If you if you had a shutdown defenseman in front of you, or, or or a tandem in front of you per se, and you shut them down, that line if they didn't score, they didn't win the game. If that yeah. line produced points, they won the game. It was just it was just the way that the other teams were reading on how they were entering the zone zone entries. Zone entries are absolutely freaking huge in this game these days. It, it's it's how you can it's how you control the neutral zone and how effective you get into the defensive zone. Which makes it so important, and I think the Bruins need to do more of that um, consistently. I, I know if you look at the list of the injuries, and I don't want to use injuries as an excuse. I said this on the podcast uh, on this past Saturday. I, I, I one of the reasons why I really don't like, and I, I'm probably taking a quote from a guy I heard in the podcast uh, that I listened to. I, I listened to ninety of them a freaking week, so. <laughs> but you know, he said that injuries shouldn't be an excuse when you hear about them at the end of the season and why they got knocked out. Obviously, there's a list. I think there's 12 of them. I mean, Anders Bjork's been out for a, a, a better part of the year, but the rest of those are all just, you know, Bacchus, yeah, that's, Bergeron, Marshan. But I mean, it's a reason. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> You're missing I, that many. Have you seen the? Legit. Yeah, I mean, when when somebody brings that up and so on, and you think about the season that they had, and they were they were absolute dog shit for for a better part of October. And a little part of uh, November, and then went on a fucking run that just like yeah, blew, blew my mind away. I was like, yeah. "What the hell's going on?" And we're actually going to make the playoffs with twenty-two points in hand. <laughs> and when, yeah, I know. I mean, the past four points, past four years of scratching early on in the season, like talking to you and, and all the other Bruins fans are just like, "This sucks. We got to get rid of Rask because Rask was the big problem. He was terrible goalie. I had oh to get God. rid of him." And, there's just all these problems, and then all of a sudden Rask went on the streak, and they just bounce back. And then all of a sudden, holy cow, where did this team come from? So, what, what were your expectations when you guys were doing team previews? And I love those, by the way. Um, when, when you guys do your your, your beginning, I, I think you you guys do mid ranks too. I think, yeah, yeah, halfway through, we had yeah. Say, how do we how do we do in our predictions? So right. To speak. Uh, so so when you guys were talking earlier, at the beginning of the 2017-18 season. 
where where did you have this Bruins team? Did you have them where they are now, or, or were your expectations way lower? Okay, let me just. And by the way, by the way, Mike's Twitter is at thirteen Mike thirty one. Just in case that needs to be relevant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I get, yeah, that's right. I'm gonna yeah. Oh, hit me up. Yeah, make fun of me. I, I'm good with it. I'm no. just trying to. There they are. I've got. I knew I had them here somewhere. Um, my my filing systems aren't always the best. Um, just give me a minute. But no problem. I'm trying to think. I think I had the Bruins out of the playoffs. I'll be honest with you. I think they. I, I beginning of the season, I picked Tampa to win the Stanley Cup. Um, so that's still a ride. Yep. There. But um, I think I had the Bruins out. If and I had I had the Habs in in as the I think the last um playoff spot in the east while you're looking for that i'll i'll, I'll explain my my thing and as, as a as a bruins podcast and you you're well aware of that i honestly said with no moves during the summer they didn't do anything but laterals lateral movements i said that the, they would be in the pretty much the same predicament as they were last year a mere points from missing the playoffs to borderline getting in so obviously my my expectations were were way lower than they are but i'm happy i'm happy i was wrong you know i'm happy they made the second round this is something positive to move forward now next year's expectations you know they're gonna have the crazy crazy bruins fans out there they're gonna be like stanley cup every year stanley cup i'm gonna call it you know uh, they're out there they're out there I, I know you do have to hope but it's like oh my god really but <laughs> Um, you know, next year my expectations would be a conference final. I want to see that, and then if that doesn't happen, the next thing is the uh, Stanley Cup. So, yeah. So I had Boston fourth in the Atlantic, but not making the playoffs because the Metro would have five teams. That's what I predicted. So, um, I, I although I had Tampa and Toronto one two, um, so I wasn't too far. No, off. not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so I, but I did. I will say I did have the Rangers finishing last in the Metro. Pretty proud of that one. <laughs> and uh, one last question before you, Mike, before you, Mike, and I'll let you go okay. because the uh, the uh, games coming on between the Winnipeg Jets and the Vancouver um, Vancouver, <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> yeah, uh, these three beers are kicking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you. Your season ticket holders of the Belleville Bulls. The AHL uh, is is new. Belleville Senators now. Oh, Senators, Senators, Senators. Yeah, Bulls are the junior team. Yep. Yes, and 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 we talked about that earlier. Uh, Matt Bolesky was a former former player there. Uh, yeah, Malcolm Subban. Oh yeah, yeah. No kidding. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it's unfortunate for him that he didn't make it as a pro, and I was hoping he was going to do it because I thought he had a good career, but. It's a, you know those contract years, um, they always get you sometimes. But hey, he got a good contract, so he, he did okay. He yeah, did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, but uh, what did you did you go to any Providence Bruins games when they came to the area? No, I think we only had one game here, and I missed. So it was it. one and one. I was, I was bummed because I thought, oh, I'd be talking to Mark about it for right. sure. Right. Actually, I think you reached out to me and said, "Are you are you at the stadium?" Yes, and I, I was. I was that. not. I was like, "Oh my god, I wish I was." But I, I was just curious your thoughts on the Providence Bruins and what you saw. But obviously, you didn't go because 
you had other commitments, and that's fine. You weren't actually in Belleville for that game, were you? No, I wasn't. Oh, no, I was going to say, because you would look me up, right? Like, oh, I, mean, oh, 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 I would tell you. Come you come to Belleville for a Providence Bruins game, man, we are we are going for beers, yeah. I'm buying dinner, or you're coming to my house for dinner. There you go. Like, we're, like, we're setting like, you up. Like, when you when you came to Boston, I was so pissed off that I couldn't make it. Yeah, I, I had, bad, right? Yeah, but you, I, I think you, you were under the impression that I was living in the city. And yeah, I'm, like, assumed, right? <laughs> I'm like an hour away by train. <laughs> How far away? Where do you live? I all right. So when you look at Massachusetts, okay, you look at the top northeast on the border of New Hampshire. We're on the coast, and it's called Amesbury, Massachusetts. Amesbury. Yeah. We're we're that far. I mean, I could literally hit hit a golf ball. Not really. I'm just kidding. Air quotes. No way. Um, <laughs> I can literally hit a golf ball like to the New Hampshire border. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I just. I guess I just assumed. So, yeah. Uh, all right, yeah. Because yeah. I remember I was getting this message. I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm here. Come on down." I'm like, "Oh, man." <laughs> <laughs> but no. I mean, the next time you're in Boston, I I will make it a point to come out and definitely have a couple of beers with you. And if I'm, uh, the wife and I are getting our passports straightened out uh, because I think next year I'm going to do a little more traveling. So oh, nice. I'm I'm actually thinking about going to the Memorial Cup in Halifax in 2019. Hopefully, Ooh, be a good trip. Hopefully, Halifax is great. I'd meet you out there. Yeah, ha- hopefully a Bruins prospect is there because uh, some opportunities could open up. But we'll see what happens. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna leave that there. But I do want to travel. But I do want to cover at least a Bruins prospect at at that tournament because I've never been. I want to experience that so bad. Well, I'll tell you what, we're, um, with my work, my new job I've got, I'm traveling a lot more and I am in the, uh, we do a fair amount of work in the northeastern United States. So if I'm ever anywhere near Amesbury, I'm looking you up for sure. Oh, definitely, man. I'd definitely love to hang out and, and talk puck with you, have some beers. Yeah. Just like tonight. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. And with, with that being said, Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the uh, first episode of the the uh, new, new Beers and Bruins uh, podcast. Mike, thank you again. Uh, this was a, a great a great discussion. I thought I thought it went very well. Um, please follow Mike at thirteen uh, Mike thirty one on Twitter. Uh, please check out his podcast with with uh, Pete Wood and Dale Horde. They do a great job. Uh, that's called the Skull of Puck Podcast. Uh, I have the T-shirt. I'm a big supporter. Um, and, and thank <laughs> we you. We do very much appreciate that. Thank and, you very much. Bro. And thank you for buying a shirt from us. Uh, that was a class act, man. Thank you yeah. very, very much. I hope you're. I hope you're getting dirty looks by wearing it, but Absolutely. you're also representing very well, though. <laughs> I, I know how it is. I mean, um, Court, our our, our uh, co-host. Is a is a Bruins fan living in the Toronto area, so he gets the oh he gets it. He loves it though. He just goes into a shopping center and with a Bruins shirt, Bruins jersey, and with a big smile and just eats it up. But I love nice. it. Yeah, it was really good to see him uh, win that Toronto series, that playoff game, playoff series, and the next day for him to flaunt it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But uh, All right, man. thank you so much, I, Mike. I appreciate it, and I'd love to have you on again in the future. Hopefully, 
uh, maybe a, an Edmonton Oilers, Boston Bruins Stanley Cup, and we can just yak it up. Yeah, that'd be great. And yeah, anytime. Hey, as long as I got beer in the fridge, I'm happy to talk hockey. Awesome. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks, thank, no problem. Take care.